In a mental health resource centre in Oxford, we brought together a group of service users to discuss the video An Untimely Death on Passchendaele Ward. What follows is their reaction to what they saw. It was quite good, actually, because it made me think how the patients react. Shamila is a service user who actively supports others in a survivors group. How the patients got a link with the psychiatrist and the, the people that are more qualified and are, uh, have gotten more demand in the NHS. I think the situation seen on the video is the situation I imagined about 30 years ago on closed awards about these medicamentation things. Joachim's a sociologist and service user, originally from Germany. And I think and hope that it changed a little bit, or in Germany even a lot, just not to describe tranquilizers to keep the people calm. I think it changed and it doesn't show at the moment the situation like it is. For me, watching this video, one, it made me quite sad because some of it resonated with me. Two, I got a bit bored. Abner's used services since the age of three. I think I got bored because the themes are familiar. I find that mental health is not a single issue for me. It's lots of other issues impact on that, like, you know, racism and sexism and homelessness. Those sort of things can aggravate your mental illness. I suppose it was repetitive as far as um, what service user, patient and worker is about. Carl came to England from South Africa in 1988. But it was actually made presentable by the way it was done quite simply and quite um, well done, I suppose, yeah. I was quite struck by it. It seemed to evolve around I'm a nurse. Mamela has been a service user for eight years. And that's something I experienced as a service user, that they have all this power, but um, it's not always in your best interest. Quite a lot of the time it's about keeping you quiet. The group discussed how successful the play had been in conveying their experience as service users. The play, really... Compared to my illness and what I suffer from, it did not touch me or it didn't make me feel anything what I've been through. This is Shamila. Because I really have suffered and my medication that I'm on is very advanced and it makes me sleep. And because I've got bipolar disorder, I've got mood changes in my illness and it makes me from being very happy to very high to very low to very suicidal and sometimes I can't control my thoughts. I, I kind of went out to have the cigarette after the film feeling quite depressed. Mm. Abena. Because I know they were trying to make some kind of resolution at the end, but rather than it resolving anything, it just, for me, dissolved or dissipated. But I didn't feel at the end that there was any real concise action that could be taken. Was, uh, was there something about heaven and hell in, in the beginning? 
Call. Where um, they were saying that hell would be someone you get tortured and, you know, that kind of thing. That was spot on for me as far as what I went through. That whole thing about the ward and sections and it was really good, yeah. yeah. I don't know if things have got better. Mamela. But one thing that really struck me was the relationship between the, the, the ward manager or whatever he was and um, the rep from the drug company. That's something I've noticed is there's one drug at the moment which a lot of people get put on when they're first ill and then it's no good and so they try other things. And you kind of think that maybe that first drug that you're put on, it's because it's cheap. And uh, that made me think of the, in a song at the end where they go, oh, medication in, understanding out. I think you're quite on, on the point of arrival, you're just medicated, no question. That whole thing about um, the medication and people, it was quite resonating. But as far as what goes on now, I mean, I've been out of a mental hospital, so I've got no real present experience of what the situation is now. One theme in the video that the group picked up strongly was around the role of professionals. I think it's very disappointing, really, because professionals, you know, we actually assume that we rely on them to take care of us and make the right decision for us. But when they let us down this, like this and this lightly, then we don't know what we should do and how could we make that not happen again. I felt the professionals were being swiped and hit a great deal. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be, but after a while, when you start demonising a group of people, it gets boring. That's what I feel. Joachim has a foot in both camps. He also has a practitioner role, working as a care assistant. I work for vulnerable people, and if one member of the staff does anything wrong, there is no backup, there is no hiding. We have to write reports, even for very small things if they appear. And if there are, for example, questions that it would be said a, a carer would uh, neglect a resident, he or she would be straight away suspended from work. So at least the company I work for, a big company, 800 people working for it, we work really for our residents. It's interesting, though, because um, it's like something Thomas Sartes said, basically that people are making a living out of our suffering and that will always affect their perspective and the gender. I mean, watching this is good because it reminds me of things, but I try all the time to think, what can I do to make a difference? And sadly, what I've discovered is that organisations only care about their reputations, not their clients, and they care about their funding. So I think that's incredibly sad. Patients' rights was a theme that attracted lots of discussion. When the, the woman who was representing patients' rights was talking and saying, well, we've done all these things, you know, we put notices up, and, like, you, you can't read notices, you know, when you're, when you're very ill. 
and I remember a lot about my rights was that I was kind of told that later I found out I had all these rights. I didn't even know that you could read your notes until I saw this. I have never been able to read my notes either. When I was once in hospital and I was really, really ill, my first admission, I wanted to read my care plan and they would not let me read my care plan. Abena represents service users' rights in her role as an equality rights and diversity advisor. I mean, I, a recent example I've had is I helped set up the patient's council in the medium secure unit locally. And when Chai reviewed the trust, the council came top of all the trust services. And I made an effort to take two members of staff to a high secure or special hospital. And Miss Guy, who's sort of professional, when he wrote up his report or when he speaks, he never, ever mentions my name. It's like, I helped set it up, it was my idea. And it's not about me getting glory, it's actually about acknowledging partnership. And I find that a lot with professionals. They will hijack the ideas of vulnerable people who aren't in their networks to say, excuse me, I own that, that intellectual property or that experiential knowledge. That's mine. Abena still sits on the patient's council. And the bit that annoys me is they want me to extend it to the acute wards. And I got a message of a meeting the day before it occurred. But because I sleep for two or three days, I didn't get it till the day after. And I just feel... If you really don't want someone to be somewhere, tell them 24 hours beforehand. They know they've got to have a patient's council, but it's obvious they don't want to have an independent one. Mamela pointed out that professionals too can be victims of the system. I thought it was quite interesting. Something that never occurred to me was the idea that you can be blackmailed. I was aware that, like, um, some psychiatrists are kind of career psychiatrists and, you know, have their own agenda, but that there's a point where they too can be made corrupt by the system and, you know, not treated well in almost the same way the patients aren't treated well. I think it's not the staff working at the awards, it's the real money is from the drug producers and the whole system. It's not the care assistant or the nurse. The thing about having a phobia about medication was quite, quite real, you know, real to me as well. So that whole thing, when I was in the hospital, I knew I wasn't mad. But like the, the sheer thought of taking something that I had no control of, didn't ever want to take, was brought out not to even think about, it was just dished out to me and bloody every morning, every night. When I was Firstly, admitted first time in hospital. I didn't used to take my medication because it was very sour, you know, bitter. And they used to inject me, and it used to be very painful. And um, it was a very horrible hospital. They said to me, they're never ever going to release me, I'm going to stay there all my life. There was um, the service user who was on the Section 22, was saying, oh, you know, the smoking rooms, where is that? You know, and um, I found it really upsetting because it's like the TV room, which is for smokers, and my second admission, I was like 
routinely they're trying to get me out of bed to go and sit in a room full of smoke. I thought that was really annoying. I don't agree at all. In the end, I ended up starting to smoke. And it's just not, it's not on. I mean, it was quite real to me that that guy with the dreadlocks who came in and you know just kind of started dishing out drugs. I mean, that's exactly how it was to me because. I hadn't met a psychiatrist, and this guy came in visiting on the ward, and there was just everything that I was trying to escape from was right there in the ward. I thought, no way, you know, I'm meant to survive as you know. I sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sometimes joke and say, I'm going to see my drug dealer. I've got two of them, my GP and my psychiatrist. Finally, we asked the group to give their take-home messages for people just starting out on a career in the mental health service. I think just take the video for what it is. I mean, the student, you know, obviously will have preconceived ideas as to what mental health is about. But I think just take it as it comes and interpret it for themselves, really, I think. If you see it what it is and you think you can do something positive for something that's negative, then do it, yeah. I cannot advise other people how to see their job, but I can tell how I see my job. My employer is not the company I work for. My employer are the residents I'm working for. I mean, the thing about hospitals, they're meant to be sanctuaries, you know, so, you know, treat them as sanctuaries. That's, that's all you can do, really. That's it? why they were called asylums, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think that if you're just training to be a nurse, you should really think about reading about culture. And I feel much more comfortable having a social worker than a CPN, because I feel like a CPN isn't really going to understand what I need. And I've had to change them occasionally because I just can't take it. I think the message that I would say would be a person that has got a mental illness. It is an illness. It isn't something that they are born with, it's problems and it's it's the gender that happens to them throughout their childhood to teenage years and it's not really what they want to happen to them or, is, or they bring on themselves. If I could, like, influence the education, I would like people to remember that we have a shared humanity and that's what quite scared me about the film we just watched was the line, the demarcation line. And those lines are the sort of things you'd have if you're playing rugby. And this sort of idea of a tug of war is quite scary. Yeah. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.